Scripture today is from John 3. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I have said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I told you about earthly things, and you do not believe, how can I, you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The word of the Lord. Did you find yourself in that story? A good way to read Scripture devotionally is to imagine yourself in it. In this scene, you have two choices, Nicodemus or Jesus. I'd suggest Nicodemus. It's not that you don't want to be Jesus, you do, and I want you to be more like Jesus. But since Jesus himself said, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted, maybe we shouldn't pick God incarnate as the one we think we're most like in a story. As much as we'd like to think we're the Jesus character in these scenes, we're often not. And since today there's only one other choice, Nicodemus, let's just say we're all Nicodemuses. Nicodemi. We're all Nicodemus. Like Nicodemus, we're not all good and we're not all bad. Like him, we find some things to believe about Jesus that are easier than others. Nicodemus is willing to put himself out there, but only under certain circumstances. He wants as much control as he can have in the relationship with Jesus. I think we might relate to some of that. Nicodemus' relationship with Jesus evolves, expands, grows, develops, deepens, and we would want the same for ours. So at least for today, let's just say we're all Nicodemus. 
We're the ones who, uh, whose faith story does not include a Damascus Road experience. One of those where we're blinded by the light and immediately are converted into a follower of Jesus. We're, we're those who were not by the seashore. And when Jesus said, follow me, threw down our nets and immediately started walking. We're those who have been on a journey or still on a journey of trying to figure out how to follow him. Maybe we didn't sneak over to where Jesus was one night and ask him questions. But I'll admit that I have had some theological things to work through that I'm still working through. Questions and and misunderstandings and struggles that I'm going through too. Nicodemus wondered if if Jesus wasn't somehow more different than just a rabbi, a teacher. What with all these amazing signs that Jesus performed? I've had moments, I have moments when I wonder when he'll perform some more signs. They don't seem as prevalent anymore. I don't need water turned into wine. There seems to be enough of that. I'm more interested in there being enough clean water and in cancer getting healed and displaced persons finding homes and violence and abuse ceasing. I'd like to sneak over to wherever Jesus is staying and ask him about those signs. But then, like Nicodemus, I'm not sure I would understand the response Jesus would give. You know, Jesus, he doesn't always say things as plainly as we want him to. Nicodemus went over to, to show some secretive interest in Jesus. And this teacher who did more, he thought, than teach. And while he was there, Jesus launches into this lesson about Being born from above. Is that how he'd respond to my questions? About where are the signs, where are the miraculous acts, where are the wondrous healings? Is that what he would say? I I don't know what I'd say if I went to Jesus and brought these questions before him and he started talking about being born from above, if I asked Jesus about the latest diagnosis that my friend is enduring or my family member or that I'm going through, and he started talking about being born from above, maybe like the woman at the well, I'd try to move past the religious language. Yes, yes, I know the Messiah is coming and he'll tell us what we need to know when he does. But what about now? What about now? Is there a way that Jesus' talk about being born from above applies to now? One of the knocks against religion is that it is a means to keep people in their place. Karl Marx' famous criticism that the religion is the opiate of the masses is not that different from a song Joe Hill released in 1911. I don't know, maybe uh, our group will sing it one day. You hear it referenced from time to time. The punchline has endured in popular Culture, you will eat by and by in that glorious land above the sky. Work and pray, live on hay, you'll get pie in the sky in the by and by. 
What Marx and Hill challenged is the idea that people should just accept their lot in life. Insufficient wages, poor living conditions, poverty, whatever troubles arise, because one day they'll get what they're supposed to get when they die. They're also pushing against this idea that we don't have any responsibility for those who have needs now because they'll one day, when they die, get their needs met. Then and now, there have been people who hear Jesus say, when, when he says, be born from above, to, to turn that as a way to, to turn into a dismissal of life, an acceptance. Sure, this life isn't what it's meant to be, what it should be, but get over it. Because when you get to the life to come, the troubles of this life won't have mattered anyway. They might misrepresent something St. Paul wrote by saying that it supports their idea. And we know when he says, I consider that the present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory about to be revealed to us. It could sound as though Paul had given up. Don't let these troubles bother you. Endure them. Good times are coming. It could sound like that, except that in the same letter in Romans, Paul goes on to tell us how to live with one another. No one attempts to live, as Paul describes in Romans 12, if they think this life is just some miserable act of endurance. Why would you hold fast to what is good? Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute, contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Why would you do those things if you aren't, are just biding time until you can escape this miserable world? You wouldn't. Those are the acts of people who can imagine God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. That God's kingdom will come, not just when we die. Clearly, Paul was convinced that how we live this life, what we do in this life matters, and not just as some way to mark time until we die and enter God's eternal presence. We're to live that eternal life now. That was Jesus' invitation. Jesus' talk of being born from above isn't about escaping this life or placating the troubles we experience in it. It's about reorienting how we address those troubles. When we're born from above, we live here differently. Like Nicodemus, many of us remain confused about how it all works. We keep looking for signs that indicate how Jesus is bringing healing and peace among us but we also begin to see ways that God is active in our world that we previously missed. We didn't perceive them when we weren't born from above. Healing ends up looking differently. Because before, when we thought there was only one way God might heal, the way I told God to heal, we start to see that there are many ways that God can heal. 
seeing life from the perspective of those who are getting to know Jesus better, we realize that God's gift of free will means God's heart breaks with us even before ours when those exercising their free will make choices to harm others or themselves. Choices that deprive others or themselves. We begin to realize that like Nicodemus, our definition of teacher is too limited. Our experience with the Messiah, too limited. Our understanding of God, too limited. We come to Jesus with questions. Questions we're not sure we want others to know we're asking. We seek to limit Him based on what our world view about who He must be and how He must be would allow. We get confused about this talk of being born from above and what that means for this life. And so Jesus, good teacher, and Lord and Savior who He is, senses our confusion and lays before us the truth so plainly that the fog begins to lift. He says to Nicodemus, to us, God so loves the world, you, all, that He sent His Son to live among us and teach us and heal us and care for us and as proof that there is nothing that God would not do for our salvation and for their salvation to die for us so that all who are on this journey from doubt to faith, from reluctance to embrace, from fear to boldness, from being served to serving may not die, but have eternal life. Nicodemus may not have understood it that night. But the man who went to Jesus by night because he feared what the Pharisees would say to him, soon stood up to the Pharisees to defend Jesus as a man who had a right to a trial. The man who first came to Jesus out of curiosity would later be close enough to Jesus that he was there to prepare his body for burial. The man who initially called him teacher, I have no doubt, came to a place where he saw in Jesus so much more than that. He may not have had all his questions answered. I haven't. He may not have understood how it all works. I don't. But he made progress. Moving from intrigued to interested to invested from fearful to following. He shows us what it's like to make progress on a journey of faith. And since we're all Nicodemus, he reminds us that that is our journey too.